0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. And I'm your host. We are counting down the days until Super Bowl LIV. It's going to be LIT in Miami. See what I did there? It's a funny joke. We're going to do a mailbag, uh, mailbag like podcast. It. Thanks, BMAC. BMAC will be Brian McFadden, two time Super Bowl champ. But by the way, um, every, when we were introduced for our Super Bowl preview on HQ, like, <laughs> CBS Sports NFL analyst, and I was like, you know, I'm starting to smile thinking they're going to be me. And it's like, and two-time Super Bowl champ, I'm like, oh, my God, is that? And then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Like, I kind of want them to be like CBS Sports senior NFL writer and zero-time Super Bowl winner Will Brinson. Like, I want them to just mock me by pointing out that I have no Super Bowl rings. BMAC, you have too. And that's sort of what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to talk about, you know, how to sort of approach uh, Super Bowls. Pete Prisco has covered like 45 of them. <laughs> uh, bmac has won two of them obviously played in two but again go to apple podcast leave a five-star review if you had now is a great time to do it if you like the show and listen to the show go do it leave a five-star review leave a mailbag question or a comment about the t- things you love hate about the show whatever it is um so let's dive in in fact pete has covered all 53 it says in the notes that seems impossible we'll roll with it uh bmac you played in two super bowls three Three, you play? Oh, you played in three, one, two.
1: Yeah, I don't like to talk about the one I didn't win though.
0: Oh, the one? Wait, which one did you?
1: Green Bay, Dallas.
0: Oh, that was my first one. The Ice yeah. Bowl. that was
1: That's the first deep. one I ever covered. It's probably your fault we lost since it was your first one.
0: It probably is. Um, yeah. I wonder if did you get a podium at the media row, the media day? Uh, yeah. You had a podium, okay? So, because like I remember, and I don't know if we talked about this. I was walking around the floor, like I mean. Again, my first Super Bowl, I, I remember being just completely overwhelmed by the entire experience, uh, the entire week. Like, you're just, you're just kind of amazed at what's going on. The first one I covered for CBS and, um, uh, on Media Day, I, I ended up like chatting up for a few minutes. This, this, this young, I think, rookie wide receiver named Antonio Brown, who, uh, had, had like, I don't know, 300 receiving yards or something like that in his, uh, in his, in his first year. You were a superstar, of course, on that great defense, so you had a podium. Uh that means you've been to Tampa, Detroit Dallas. and Dallas slash Arlington. That's not a great list. Like you kinda no, it's got not, robbed.
1: Not, you you kinda not, got robbed not. of destinations, right? It was cold and snowy in Detroit, of course, February, late right. January, you're not surprised. Tampa was ideal and then Dallas was supposed to be a pretty good Super Bowl weather-wise, but then they had a a ice storm. It was very very difficult to travel, and it was extremely cold and ugly as well. So yeah, uh, but uh, the cities that I had, I mean, out of three cities, we only had one good experience when it came to weather and uh, being able to move around and enjoy the sights and the sounds. Well, is that
0: is that maybe better though, like in terms of being able to focus because. I would have to imagine if I was going to a Super Bowl for the first time, even as a young player, and going to Miami, there's a lot of distractions going on. Like, how hard is it to get everybody focused and moving in the right direction, and to keep guys from going out and partying? I know it doesn't happen as much anymore, but like, you know, back in the day, you used to have instances where like dudes would get caught, you know, like out mm-hmm. of the uh, out of the <laughs> town. Uh, it doesn't seem to happen quite as much anymore, right?
1: Yeah, a lot of guys are dialed in. I think. Teams and coaches, they do a real good job in emphasizing why you are there and being appreciative of the moment. Of course, you want to enjoy yourself because the majority of the coaches and the fans, I mean, and the players, they have loved ones there that would like to experience this monumental opportunity with the player. And you just got to understand and and go about your business like you've been doing the entire process. I remember the first Super Bowl uh, with Bill Cowher. He made it known and he emphasized, guys, don't change anything you've been doing. He said, whatever you guys were doing, getting for us to get into the postseason and keeping that same regiment through the postseason, you guys keep it going the week of the Super Bowl. So he said, you know, if you guys, because remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but in 05, we need to win our remaining four games just Mm. to get an opportunity to get into the tournament to become the sixth seed. So we did that. And if Kyle would just said, "Hey guys, whatever you guys have been doing, keep doing it," and a lot of the guys was just hanging out, partying, you know, just kind of keeping their mind off of the task at hand, and we were like, "Shoot, man!" Coach basically told us, "Keep doing what we've been doing." So we're gonna <laughs> keep doing what we're what we've been doing. And I think that has been that's the difference between a team that goes out and they're performing, they're more relaxed because they didn't make the moment bigger than what it was.
0: Yeah, and so how? I mean, what? I think you were twenty four. Maybe 23? 20, 23. 23 or 24, that first Super Bowl, whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you, are it's your life. You don't have to look it up or tell me. I'll believe you on 23. Um, when you, I mean, was it, I mean, is it tough going out as a rookie and like, and being on that team and thinking like, holy crap, I'm playing for the freaking Super Bowl? I mean, like that, that feels to me like it might be a little bit intimidating.
1: Yeah. But, but the, for us, like I said, the remaining four or three games, we were like in a game seven mentality. And we use that same mentality throughout the playoffs. And of course, you know, it's a win and keep going once you get into the playoffs. So by the time we got to the Super Bowl, you know, we, 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 we embraced the moment. It was like, okay, if you win, you're a champion. If you don't, you go home. We had that same mindset mm. just to get into the playoffs. So we were accustomed to playing with everything on the line. And for us to, to do what we did, remember, um, go, let's go back in time, the first round. We played against Cincinnati, yep. of course, the Carson Farmer injury. Oh, but at right. that time, remember, Cincinnati was a top five offense. So the second round, we played against Indianapolis oh, yeah. and Cincinnati,
0: Cincinnati went eleven and five that year and yeah. was one of the best offenses in the league.
1: Yeah, so they were at the top five offense. The the Colts were like a top three, top two offense, yeah. right? And then AFC Championship game, we played Denver, who was like I think they had the either the they were top three also. And then they were Super Bowl, they were, uh, we Yeah, it was Seattle. Mike, who had the MVP of the league and Sean Alexander, and they were a top three offense. So the last three ball games in the postseason, we played against the Colts, the Broncos, and the Seahawks. They were all one, two, or three. So by the time we played against Seattle, especially on the defensive end, we had so much confidence because we played, we we literally kicked out the top, the five best, four best offenses in the National Football League in the postseason.
0: Yeah, and I guess too, it's like it's a little bit different. So like like you said, you you know it, it, you know looking back, you guys had lost in weeks 11, 12, and 13 to the Ravens, Colts, and Bengals. Um, you know, lost pretty bad to the Colts, but overtime to the Ravens and, and barely lost to the Bengals by one touchdown. And so then you rip off four straight regular season wins to get in the tournament. And then rip off three more. So you're on a seven-game winning streak. So it's almost like you get to the Super Bowl. You're like, we don't need to party. We're going to party when we go out and win this game, right? Like, it's like we had, like, like everybody's got the same singular mission. Like, hey, let's go win this freaking game. And then we are going to throw down because we had, nobody thought we'd be
1: here. Well, we had so much confidence. Like you said, we need to win the last four regular season games. And then our playoff run, the offenses, the teams we played against, it was like – playing blackjack and just mm. hitting that our ideal shoot and you can't lose and now in blackjack you know you will lose but the object is to win more than lose for us we hit that, that that shoot where blackjack was coming blackjack was coming blackjack was coming and we just felt like we were unbeatable and it was like when we played seattle it was no we had no concern and we wasn't cocky we just had that much confidence because everything was working right for us on both sides of the football.
0: Yeah, that game was never close, honestly. And I, I mean, you dis- know,
1: Seattle—they they still have a gripe about that, you know. The, the refs, the, yeah, yeah, there's some things didn't happen how they were supposed to happen. But full disclosure, I I bet on the Seahawks. Yeah, what was I a? I, I don't even remember the. I, I never knew a line. The line when I played. Do you remember you guys, the
0: line? You guys were favored by four points. Over/under was forty-seven. Um, and then, oh yeah, because that was the that was the worst part. Is like if you had the Seahawks, they cut it to four. I guess they they cut it to fourteen to ten. And then Randall L. or the Heinz Ward threw the pass, or no, caught the pass from Randall L. on the end around deep bomb for 43 yards. Yep. And yeah, god, forgot about that. And then that was the game. and Then you guys just didn't let him move the ball again. Um. Yeah. God, that's a great Super Bowl. Mm. Bettis. I don't know if you know 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 this. Jerome Bettis is from Detroit.
2: Yep. Do you know? Do you
0: you, you know about that running gag like that they they mentioned? I was that game on CBS. I hope not. I don't want to. I don't want to (laughs) be trash talking anybody on CBS. But they um. The game was. Uh, let's see. Did they tell us who it was on? Either way, they mentioned nah, it. Nine. I think.
1: It, I think it was ABC.
0: Okay, we'll go with that. I'm not going to insult whoever it was, but they mentioned it over and over and over leading up to the game. They were like Jerome Bettis from Detroit. Everybody's like, we get it. Jerome Bettis is from freaking Detroit. It's his homecoming. But uh, you know, it was a big game for him, and unfortunately, he didn't get to score. So, uh, what would like? What I mean. What would you, what would be your concern for the, for the teams who are go, like the Chiefs and the 49ers? Like, I mean, it feels like Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan will have them prepared enough where it won't be a big deal, but are there any traps because it's in Miami, et cetera? You know what I mean? Like,
1: well, uh, the concerns I have, I would have would be from bo- with both teams, some of the younger guys, right? Some of the young guys that really have huge roles for their teams, yeah. being able to continue to be focused and dialed in. See, that's the thing. As a rookie, as a second-year player, a third-year player, especially never getting to this level, you want to enjoy yourself. And it's easier for a young guy that lacks experience to be able to forget what the priority is. And then Miami, I mean, the thing is – if I was a coach, I would emphasize to my players, you can go to Miami at any given time in the off season mm-hmm. and enjoy yourself, have a fun trip. Remember, this is a business trip first. So I'm not telling you to stay inside the entire time. Go out and enjoy yourself, but be smart. Handle yourself like you would handle yourself in Kansas City or in San Francisco. I'm not saying change the your entire regiment. You know, if you were getting a massage on Wednesday, do the same thing. Continue to keep that same regimen. If you were going out, uh, have family dinner or a a team oriented, like dinner with your teammates on Tuesday or Thursday, do the same thing, but don't go over and beyond what you've been doing. And sometimes for younger guys, especially when you know you're playing in the biggest game in in the year, uh, in the season, everybody's watching. Everybody want a piece of you. Everybody wants you to do this event. No, understand why you were there. Did um,
0: were you ever worried because like who was in the second in O five or oh, I guess it was 04, but I mean like oh no it was 05. So in the secondary was like you and Troy, and uh, who was the top? Were you the number one corner? Or you the I was two? I was
1: the number third corner. I was you were the three. So okay, so, so, the top you're, two. so you're
0: nickel. So were you match up on Joe Vicious then in the uh, slot?
1: A few times they had Bobby Jackson. Bobby Bobby Ingram. And- Bobby Ingram, they had yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackson, yeah. Uh, Jerry Vicious, uh Yeah, Daryl Jackson, that's right. Daryl right. Jackson. Were, had, you, had,
0: were you worried as a rookie that they were going to, like, come out and just target you in the slot, especially with, like, a, a short, like, West Coast guy, like Hasselback throwing it?
1: Well, no, because, see, the way how we did our nickel defense, when I came in, the Shea Townsend went inside, so I always played outside.
0: Yeah, oh, gotcha, um, gotcha,
1: gotcha. But the thing for me was, by that time, in the second round, I mean, I got I got targeted so much by Peyton Manning, I just kind of got used to being picked on a lot. <laughs> so by the time we got to the Super Bowl, I was expecting every pass to come my way, honestly. You know what I mean? So I was just like, well, Peyton Manning just was targeting me. And then uh, J- Jake Plummer came at me a few times, but not a lot. Uh, you know, they had more of a running balance attack. Yeah. And by the time we played against Seattle, I was just like, well, you know, it's almost like that little kid that has bigger brothers and the bigger brothers always big, beat up on the little brother. I was used to getting picked on a lot because I was the only rookie in the lineup. So I was kind of expecting that. Who did, uh, who did Peyton line you up on the most? Do you remember? Now remember also, let's go back in time with the Colts. They had a different wide receiver scheme. They never flip flop. Marvin Uh, Harrison always was on the X, their right side, which is our left side. Yeah. And and Reggie was always on their left side, which would be the defensive right side. That's right. So I always played the right corner my rookie year. So I always was on Reggie Wayne.
0: Oh my god! So you were? Just, it was just you and Reggie Wayne. Oh yeah. And uh if you, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Do you know how many targets uh Reggie Wayne had in that game against you guys in the, in the you, playoffs?
1: You looked that up already.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm all over it. How many? Fourteen. Peyton Manning oh gave you fourteen times. <laughs> hey, you
1: know how many catches he had? How many?
0: Seven. Nice work, Mac.
1: Well, okay, now this, but okay, but What also too? No, they're not I, all. I, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I would assume some of those fourteen targets came in base offense yeah, where yeah. we had our base defense in. But yeah, I, listen. You talk about a guy who was standing on eggshells. I be that, freaking out. That, man. that ball game. Lit, my eyes was so big, and I was I wasn't nervous, but just the atmosphere because that was a huge game for us. Because early in the year they beat us bad. Yep. They really just beat us bad. They took us in the backyard and just did whatever they wanted to do with us and then playing against that offense those two teams everybody watching and it felt like every play Peyton was coming my way man my back got tight my eyes were big (laughs) I I just I I ran out of sweat I was sweating so much because it was it felt like it was so hot and it's just like be back whatever you do don't be the reason why you guys do not advance that's all I kept telling myself don't be Uh the reason why Colts, by
0: the way, were eight and a half point favorites in that game. That's pretty no. substantial for a um for the for I me mean, for a divisional round. Like that's a huge number for a divisional round back in like 05.
1: Remember, that was one of the best Indianapolis Colts team they had during that Peyton Manning era. Yeah. And of course, you know, they eventually won a championship. But that was a team that was supposed to win a championship that year. They went they went
0: fourteen and two. Um, they, they had, uh, the number see, one was, seed.
1: They were the number one seed in the AFC.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, second most points scored in the NFL. And in fact, second fewest points allowed in the NFL. I mean, they were, they were supposed to win the title that year. Because goes to show you that the, uh, the NFL can be crazy. Jim Caldwell, assistant head coach, Leslie Frazier, Clyde Christensen, big group of coaches there. That was the first, cause that was still, Tony Dungy was still running it yep. before yep. Caldwell had taken over. Um, okay. So we meandered off a little bit there. Do you think, who do you think is the biggest, like, because I look, I think a two guy. I think well, I think the two coaches. One, Kyle Shanahan's been here when he came with the Falcons, and we knew he was going to take the job with the 49ers, But he, you know, he had a great game plan. They were up twenty eight three, and I, we talked about this on our HQ preview. But to me, the fact that he's been there and done that and had a lead and understands what to do and how to prep will matter a lot. I also think that the two guys to me that really make a difference in terms of a calming influence on these rosters. One, Andy Reid. I know everybody, you know, talks about we got to win one for Andy and all, could be nervous he has to win it. But like he understands that you can go to a Super Bowl early in your career and then not make it back for a long time. And also on the other side of the field, uh, Richard Sherman, who won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks, got back the next year, thought they were going to build a dynasty, and then with the you know the the Russell Wilson interception, the Patriots win in Super Bowl 49. Which one do you think is a bigger? Which 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 team has the better calming presence about it? The Chiefs or the 49ers?
1: Whew, that's a good question Wow I'll say And just off the top of my head I'll go with the San Francisco 49ers And the reason why I go with the 49ers Is because some of the things you talked about With Kyle Shanahan
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Now he was not a head coach at the time When he got to the Super Bowl But he was a, a huge part of the coaching staff And then outside of the player Their starting quarterback has been To a championship before Granted he was not the starting quarterback but just being able to be in the same room with tom brady and bill belichick and learning yep, from great those point. great football personalities has to do wonders for this experience for him as a starting quarterback and then you got a guy like emmanuel sanders who will be playing in his what third at least his third No, no, no because he,
0: he went to one with with the steelers right he went to one with the steelers he went he to went, two with the broncos
1: Went the two with the it was two with the broncos I'm pretty sure, right? I know I mean, he no, won. I will
0: double check this. I'll double check for
1: you. I'm pretty sure he won. I know right. he won. He definitely won a ring with the Broncos when they beat Carolina. He was he... on that team. Oh, oh yeah. You're and right.
0: The... No, no. He wasn't on the 2013 Broncos. You're right. Because yeah. he was on the Steelers in 2013. So yeah. he went
1: once. Did went he go to once with the Steelers? Yeah, he did. He did. Okay. I think it was his rookie year with us. So, uh, that's the game we lost to, to Green Bay. So you look at some of yeah. the Super Bowl experience he has, and I think yeah. – in totality, I think they have maybe around twelve guys on the San Francisco Forty ers roster that has been to a championship, and I don't know the exact number for Kansas City, but just being able to have your quarterback, your starter quarterback, be a part of championship organizations, yeah. and you know, Kyle you Shanahan and, and 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 Kyle Shanahan, his father, you know, being being around with him throughout his Super Bowl runs and things like that. I think I think the advantage goes to the San Francisco Forty ers for those reasons.
0: Mm, that's a good point. Has Shanahan, Shanahan wasn't on? Yeah, he wasn't on the Broncos when they won. He was just a, a like a I, mean, I guess a freaking because he was born in '79, so he's two. Yeah, I mean he was he was like freaking college when the when the Broncos won the uh, or high school senior. Yeah, when the Broncos won those Super Bowls, so he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been around and gotten those rings. But yeah, I mean I think um, that's a good point. The Jimmy G point is great. I think that matters a ton. And I hadn't even thought about Sanders going to three Super Bowls with three different teams. Talk about lucky for him. Okay. okay. Uh, What What's the last question for you? What is the like, what is the what is the most nerve wracking thing? Because I was I was asking. We talked to Raheem Mostert on Tuesday, and I was curious. Like, what you know, what what would what are you like? What's the most nerve wracking thing about the whole week? Is it Is it like that five seconds when you're walking out of the field, is it the kickoff? Is it your first snap? Is it—is it sort of landing in like your – I mean, maybe it's media stuff. Who knows? I, mean, I assume it's different for everybody. just curious what you think the most nerve-wracking thing was for you.
1: The n- most nerve-wracking thing is not even game-related, you know, the action of the game. It's about the accommodations and trying to figure out who gets to go to the Super Bowl. You oh, know. really? Yeah, who do you decide when you talk about okay, well, the right, well, brand? let me, let me, just,
0: let me expand that a little bit then, because I'm curious, like, from land, when you land to when you get to the game day, what is it, what, is it all routine and all scheduled, or is there just so much stuff going well, on where, like, aunts and uncles and cousins are texting you? Because that's how I know my family would be like, what, we need, we didn't get the suite we wanted. Where's the like, Where's the hotel room? You're like, "Man, I I got a freaking championship to win here. Leave me alone."
1: Okay, so the schedule was for me and three Super Bowls that I participated in. When you get to the Super Bowl site, which usually would be that Sunday. I know some teams might fly in either Sunday or Monday. Yeah. You don't have anything. If you flew in Sunday, you have nothing. But if you fly in Monday, Usually, There's a team meeting. You get uh, uh, you get the, the, the opportunity to meet some of the, the city officials, law enforcement, give you kind of heads up on where to go, what to do, where to be at. Don't or go around. It's just alone. <laughs> you kind of have that informal from, in meeting, but you have no curfew. Monday, you have no curfew Tuesday. Tuesday is a more get right day. You know, if you want to go in as an individual, watch some film, you know, hit the weight room, get a chance to tour the facilities that you will be using the entire week. Tuesday is the do the day to do so, but you're pretty much free. So Tuesday is like a normal Tuesday off day during the week. No curfew also, as well. So Wednesday, that's when you get into your game like preparation, a normal Wednesday work day. know, you, Then you have curfew during the nighttime. Same can be said for Thursday and Friday. And then that Saturday for us, we relocated to a new hotel away from the family hotel. So the week of the most, I guess, you know, nerve wracking thing is being able to divide your time equally to everybody that's coming to see you, family and friends, but still keeping your normal work schedule. The thing is, most people forget that when you're in your respectable city, you're there with your only immediate family. But when you go to a Super Bowl, you got family coming from everywhere that you invited to be a part of this experience with you. So guess what they want to do, Will? They want to spend time with you. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that when you're in Kansas City. You don't have to worry about that early in the week in San Francisco because if family is coming to visit you for the game, usually family don't get there till maybe Friday or Saturday. But when the Super Bowl is pl- being played, most of the time your family want to be there the entire week. So it's now – it's like about how do I determine – who I'm kicking it with, who I'm spending time with, family, friends. What mm. about some of the guys that are from South Florida, so have a boatload of family and friends that want their attention? And that could be the most nerve-wracking thing, and that also transition tra- transitions into your tickets. Who you give tickets to? Like how t- have what did about t- this t- high school coach that helped you what how many about tickets this did you person have? that helped you or were in, was in your life, a uh, vocal part? You know, they want to come, but then they want to bring this family member or this loved one. It can be a bit – that, that could be annoying. Well, how
0: many tickets did you have to give away total? Say it again? How many How many tickets did
1: you have, like – Twelve. I think it was twelve.
0: Wow. That's a pretty – I mean, that's a pretty large amount. And so, like, you got your basic relative, like, guaranteed they're getting one. and then, But then it's like – that's a, that's a tough distribution to do. Uh, I, I do have one more question for you because I am curious about, we've, we've heard this story, I think on this podcast before. I know you did like a, a video for it and for your Steelers podcast. Um, before Super Bowl 43, what happened the night before Super Bowl 43?
1: Say it again. The night well, before.
0: Yeah. Were you playing like cards or something like that? I believe.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 The, <laughs> the, the, the second Super Bowl for us in Tampa against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I didn't get in bed till almost eight o'clock in the morning.
0: Oh my God.
1: And, I mean, were you playing uh, a game called Boo Ray?
0: Yeah. Can you explain Boo Ray to the podcast, to the the listeners?
1: Okay, for the listeners that are card players, I, like, if you ever play the game, the card game card Spades, it's similar to playing Spades with, but without a partner. So in Spades, all the cards are are issued out to the players, four players. And you know, in the game of Spades, the Spade suit is always the cut card. In Boo Ray, you're only handed five cards. And whoever the dealer is, and the dealer will the deal will rotate based yeah. on hands. You only get five cards. And as a dealer, you can flip over any card that you want to out of the five. And whatever card flips over, if it's a heart, the heart is the cut card for that particular game. Okay. So in Blu-ray, any suit could be the cut card. So you know, like in spades, you're playing spades, you want to have a lot of spades. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, And if you don't have a lot of spades, you want to have a lot of what? Aces offsuit yeah. eights and things like that it's the same thing with boo ray so for us when you play boo ray you get five cards and will you have an opportunity to say i'm out of this hand so if you're if if, if you're out whatever is in the game and i'm not saying money but let's say if we're playing for candy right <laughs> you put up each player has to put up uh three pieces of uh three kit kats or something like that you forfeit your, your Kat, So now you lose your Kit Kats because you're out. Okay. But if you decide to play and you – you the thing also, too, about boo I forgot to tell you one important factor. When you look at your hand out of your five cards, you can get rid of any card you want to and try okay. to get a better card. But when you say I'm in, now it's your job to get books, like how you would get books in spades. Gotcha. But if you don't get any books in boo you get booed. So what booed mean is if you don't get any books – Whatever you're playing for, like I said, we were playing for for Kit Kats. The amount of Kit Kats that's in the pot, that's what you have to put up yourself.
0: So hypothetically, if you were playing for 300 Kit Kats... Yeah, uh, it could get, it can get a little intense. Now um, what, now how, what, ha, how does this, how do you end up, are you guys like watching the clock? Are you like, ah, we're going to bed at like five. We got, we can sleep all day. We've won a Super Bowl before. Trust me, it'll be fine. A, whose idea was this? B, at what point did you start freaking out that you guys were up too late?
1: Well, we did this every road trip. We did it every <laughs> home game. We played Blu-ray during, bef- during our, our break before practices. We played Blu-ray after practices, after we watch film. Blu-ray was a part of our life. Mm. It was a way for us to come together, fraternize, and have fun and enjoy each other. So when we got to the Super Bowl, it was part of our normal regiment. Remember I told you a coaches wanted us to keep doing yeah. what we've been doing. So but the thing is, the game was so intense that the time got away from us. Yeah. Little, Will, we started playing bou-ray probably around eleven o'clock. Oh my God. So you can imagine. That's the a nine-hour card game. I mean, that's intense. And, and I can tell you this much, Will. If you guys remember how intense and exciting that game was. It's that, one of the
0: all-time great Super Bowls.
1: The card game might have been more intense. <laughs> Get out of
0: there.
1: That's insane. <laughs> the, 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 card, the card game might have been more intense and more exciting than the actual game. And that's the thing we felt like, yo, if we lose if we lose this Super Bowl and if word ever got out about <laughs> what we did, how foolish we were to sit up all night. You told you remember how much uh, uh criticism uh the Giants got for doing the boat trip, right? Oh
0: yeah. You guys are the same. It'd be worse. It'd be, it'd be worse. Be,
1: it'd be way worse. Cuz think about this, if we don't win that Super Bowl, Pittsburgh don't get the sixth championship and at the time was the first organization to have six yep. Lombardi's, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Tomlin wouldn't have gotten a championship, yep. right, that would catapult his Hall of Fame-like career. You know how important championships is for NFL coaches to get into the hall. You know what Absolutely. I
0: mean? Yeah, no, I mean, it would, I mean, like, Kurt also Larry Fitzgerald would have a title. Kurt Warner would have, like, a, a title. It would change the course of history. Like, Ray almost changed the course of history, which would be incredible. But the defense prevailed. James Harrison, 99 or 100-and-whatever-yard touchdown it was. Man, what a story. I love it. BMAC, um, we're going to go talk to Pete Prisco now. We'll, we'll see you in uh, – it's going to be less exciting, but uh, I'll
1: see you – way less exciting. I'll see you in South Florida, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And please tell Pete, can he wear that beading he wore the last two weeks in Kansas City in South Florida? Is that is that possible?
0: Uh, I will definitely ask him for that. Uh, all right, BMAC, follow him at BMAC underscore sports talk. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ and listen to him later next week on the Pick 6 Podcast. Thanks, buddy.
1: Uh, Thank you.
0: The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field.
1: legal and administrative and customer support at robert half we know talent visit roberthalf.com today
0: all right now joining us as promised flying up i-95 or maybe the florida turnpike or something or however the hell you get from fort lauderdale to orlando on his way to the pro Bowl, on his way to get me some new golf clubs at the pga tour merchandise Spectacular, which I'm not sure why I didn't what invited to. I'd love to go cover that. So if you listen to this, CBS executive people send me next year. Pete Briscoe in the car with Jamie Eisenberg, no less. How's that? Uh, how's that going? You've been in the car for 30 minutes or so. Uh, did Jamie make it easy for you to get out of town? Is he a fun person to travel in the car with? Uh, does he have good music? Are you in a minivan? What's the situation here, Pete?
2: Did Jamie make it easy to get out of town? Absolutely not. We're about. An hour and a half behind schedule because it's Jamie. Is he driving? Sure, he is, and he's not got. He hasn't been pulled over yet, which is a big advantage over what I had at, at, in uh, Kansas last
0: week. Have you heard from your insurance agent about that? We talked. Uh, no, like, it's,
2: uh, no, it's not coming up. Shut up! I don't want. To, maybe he listens to this podcast.
0: Your insurance agent?
2: What do you think he listens to this podcast?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, you're right. I do need to adjust pizza rates for getting pulled over in Kansas City. This, I imagine, Jamie. I bet Jamie doesn't go more than, like, seven miles an hour over the speed limit.
2: Jamie right now is uh, actually close to 80.
0: On a 70 mile an hour?
2: Yeah, he was betting, Jamie, I will tell Jamie this because he's in the car with me, he was betting that you don't go more than seven miles over the speed limit. You're, You're pretty close, though, Will. You're pretty close.
0: I bet he's got two hands on the wheel, too, doesn't he?
2: He definitely has to in on
0: the
2: wheel. Um, <laughs> Will's good tonight. Spot
0: on. I can do, Jamie's listening to like a, a like a, an audio book, two hands on the wheel, six miles an no, hour. I'm not we getting pulled. NFL, we were listening to NFL Serious
2: Radio. Our oh, nice. Jim Miller
0: and, uh, Pat Kerwin. Oh, I love those guys. Um, okay, so we talked to BMAC a little bit about the Super Bowl experience. You and I were chatting about, um, the last, you know, the last time the Super Bowl was in Miami, there was a lot of stuff going on in Fort Lauderdale. That was actually the first Super Bowl I ever covered from the week leading up to it. I didn't go to the game itself. And then the next year I started with CBS. Um, what was the first Super Bowl you ever covered, Pete?
2: 1989 in the Superdome. It was uh, the 49ers Bengals? and the Broncos. Ah, that's right. And... That was so long ago that the 49ers got scored 55 in that game. And they were yelling, we got the speed limit in the locker room. (laughs) That's how long (laughs) ago that was. That's pretty good. That was amazing. And I think back to that game because I remember there was a Hyatt connected to the Superdome. And Radio Row was in one of the basement areas of the Hyatt. And there were probably seven tables. That was Radio Row. It was nobody there. Nobody did anything for Super Bowl week. It was
0: crazy. That's insane. So when you were doing like covering Super Bowl week, and so again, this is, um, this was in January of 1990. I mean, yeah, the 89, the 89 season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 49ers were 12 point favorites in that game too, by the way, which obviously they covered rather easily. Dan Reeves got blown out by George Seifert, Joe Montana, um, the, the MVP. What, I mean, what was it like? What was it like? leading, like, in the weeks before. Could you get, like, sit-down time with Joe Montana? I mean, now, like, you're not talking to Patrick Mahomes this week. Like, unless you're unless you broadcasting the Super Bowl or you, I mean, you have some kind of, like, you're not just going to walk into a media event and sit down and talk about I mean, it's going to be, there's only one week between the conference championship and the Super Bowl, right? I mean, like, was it a lot more hectic? Was it, or was it just more casual? What was the difference? What were the differences?
2: There wasn't as many people there. I mean, media day wasn't a, a big extravaganza like it is now. You didn't have all these outlets going there to try and, you know, be the idiot of the day. And we see that a lot now with people, the way they dress. And, you know, all these all the media outlets send to people and those shows and everything else. It wasn't like that. It was the football guys got to ask football questions. And, you know, it, it doesn't mean there wasn't some bad questions and there wasn't some outlandish answers, but it was much more casual. You could You could go to a podium where there was a star player and there might be like Ten players around, ten people around him, fifteen people around him. It was much different. What was the? And then, then the, yeah. I tell you what, you know those little those other media sessions that they would have after media day, like you go to the hotel and talk to guys. You could sit next to a guy, a star, and it would be you and him talking. That's how easy it was.
0: That's yeah, that's crazy. Like now, like those things are on lockdown. Those guys are kept from the. Um, I mean, what? Uh... What's the what's the wildest Super Bowl you ever covered?
2: In terms of what?
0: I don't know. Just I'll let you define it. Maybe maybe it's in game. Maybe it's pre game. Maybe it's stuff leading up to it. Whatever. Like the one that sticks out to you in your mind is just the most, or maybe like maybe it's even a turning point in the coverage of the Super Bowl. What's the wildest one?
2: Well, I remember the, the Super Bowls. The early Super Bowls in Atlanta were bad because the weather was bad, mm. and it was. Really, uh, I mean, well, I, can, I can't wait. The one that really stood out to me. This one really stood out to me, not from the game standpoint, but from just how big the league was standpoint. was the, what, what, the one in um, L.A. when the when the, in Pasadena when the, the uh, Cowboys played the Bills. The
0: fifty-two
2: seventeen. Rutgers, the, yeah. The one they, the, the one, what was it? Fifty. The, the Don Beebe one, I think. When when Leon Lynch, I think that yep. one was in yeah. Well it's media day in rush hour traffic in Los Angeles. The police escorts stopped traffic to allow the media buses to get through. <laughs> that, that has gone away, by the way. That doesn't happen anymore. That was when, when the NFL used to court the media, they, they don't court the media anymore. It used to be, they did anything and everything to get you to come to the Super Bowl. And once you got there, they did anything and everything to make you feel like you were, uh, it was an honor to have you there. They don't do that anymore. For example, well, that. Well, the I bags will... they used to give you a bag uh, back in the day, like a, when you checked in, you know, like a bag for your computers, and it had Super Bowl logo on it. They mm-hmm. had all kind. The Super Bowl media party on Friday night used to be an extravaganza that the media could go to. It was like nine. There were bands all over the place, and it's it, like I, I'm telling you, they used to throw parties like crazy, and that went away.
0: Mm. I will say this, when we were in Dallas and that ice storm hit, I remember we had a, we had to go cover like a specific, you know, we had to go cover the, you know, go to the Packers media availability at like 7 a.m. and they got us out on the highway <laughs> with a police escort and everybody in Dallas is like pulled over on the shoulder, like just swearing up and down a storm with this, like just I rate that they're like pulled over in the middle of like all this ice everywhere. They can't see out their car. They're sliding every which way and they got to pull over because a bunch of media guys were coming through. I will say, too, on that, that Ella, that Pasadena Super Bowl you're talking about, it's crazy to look back on it. And this was in 1993, January 93, after the 92 season. Um, coin toss, OJ Simpson, halftime show, Michael Jackson.
2: Yeah. I remember that was a great halftime show, by the way. That's probably the best halftime show there was.
0: Uh, I would Michael go Prince. Jackson. I would go Prince, but I, that's. No,
2: Michael Jackson was better. Okay. I love Prince, but Michael Jackson's show was better. What was um, the. But yeah, what's the best. But the most memorable moment of any of those is, is um, Whitney Houston. I was
0: going to ask you, what's the best anthem? So Whitney Houston for sure?
2: Oh, the, the, without a question, that was the weirdest Super Bowl because. That was the first time security was a major issue mm. and you know the the country was you know at war and everybody was terrified and everything else and I remember you know it used to be you get your pass, you walk in you go then after that it became much tougher. that was the one where everything changed in terms of security the one in Tampa that year yeah. oh, excuse me but and it was uh for me that was a very special one too because i you I've told the story before I had gone to san francisco i was working at the newspaper that i went to san francisco and my mom had passed away the year before and she was a giant giants fan, a huge giants fan and so they go to san francisco they had no business beating montana and that they fumbled roger craig fumbled and they won the game and then the super bowl was right after that there was no week you flew and you went to tampa and i remember going to tampa and you know for me that was a big deal because my mom was such a giants fan and they won that game on that kick going wide and it was just that one was probably the most memorable Super Bowl of all of them for me. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think and, no, I mean that that's it is incredible that like to for you to get a seat, you know. I mean, and like Phil, you always talk about how Phil Sims was like one of her favorite players. Like, what did she say? Like, let like come
2: on, Philip, throw, throw it. The no, throw it, Philip, throw it, Philip. And then I I told Phil Sims this once. I said my dad used to always go run, run pass, run, run pass because he'd get angry. Like I hate the running game. My dad did too. And I told Sims that, and he said, "We won Super Bowl, didn't we?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> the um, new kids on the block were the halftime show that year, which is pretty incredible. I that that Super Bowl Giants over the Bills. The Bills run is really, I think. And then the next year was the Redskins over the Bills. Ninety-one and ninety-two is when I first really remember, like as a kid. you know I'm ten years old, but I mean that's when I first, you know, you the first couple of Super Bowls you really remember. You know what I mean? Like if you, you remember watching it. I mean, I, I remember the the Niners tossing, which is scary. That you—that's when you started covering it. Uh, but um, yeah, you I know, mean, I,
2: my first Super Bowl I remember. First Super Bowl I remember was uh, watching was um, the Dolphins. Well, I remember the Jets one, but I was a, I was all, I, I don't really remember that as well. But I remember the undefeated Dolphins. Mm. So that one I remember really well. I was tw- eleven or twelve then, and and then the, the, I do remember the Jets one. I remember watching the first one. I don't remember the you know, specifics of it, but I do remember being a seven year old kid watching it, uh, and, and being, wow, you know, look at this, you know, and who knew it would become what it was. What
0: so it wait, is. so wait, your first one would have been Super Bowl seven? Yeah. yeah. Dolphins no.
2: undefeated Dolphins over
0: the Redskins, right?
2: right the fir- one the first one you been. remember. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I know the specifics of it. I remember watching one. And I remember watching too, but I was—I don't remember. You know, I was seven and eight. I probably was, you know, sitting there like a, you know, I wasn't actually analyzing the play. Whereas, like when right, I watched that right. one, I did.
0: Yeah, I think ten um, is a ten is a reasonable ten is a, like the, your ten and, and, and on is a reasonable, um, yeah, you know, time to sort of start actually looking at the game and analyzing it. Uh, so, how do you? I think, do
2: remember. I do remember as a kid that I rooted for the Jets, though, because even though I grew up a Giants fan, because I they were the nasty. You know, NFL and I wanted the A. I love the AFL. I used to, I used to thoroughly enjoy the AFL as a kid because I love the football speed. They threw it, you know, more than the NFL and I love that.
0: All right. So looking at this year's Super Bowl, Pete. Um, who do you think has the edge in sort of preparing for it? I mean, you see a lot of these teams prepping. Andy Reid's been to one before, but it's been a while. Kyle Shannon has been to one before. It's sort of almost too soon. They got a lot of like who, who has the edge in going into this week in terms of prepar- preparation?
2: They're two good, really good coaches. I don't think anybody has an edge. I no. don't I think both coaches are really good. I, I think Andy Andy Reed's arguably one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated coach the league has ever seen. And I mean that. I, I think if he's gotta win one, but if he wins one he's a Hall of Fame. I really believe that. I said uh, I said but, on I
0: said on the show yesterday with Brady that I think he might be top five if he wins one and maybe even like I don't know if you can give him top five without winning a Super Bowl but if he gets one I think he'll top get in the five hall of fame to top five all time I mean he's not
2: top five all time
0: if he gets to Super Bowl
2: no Paul Brown Don Shula yeah I mean I could, and then there's Donald all the guys Jack
0: Walsh too.
2: Yeah, I mean. Yeah, all the guys who won two, uh, Chuck Knoll. He might,
0: he might get a couple with Mahomes though. Like if if he or if he wins two, is he top five?
2: No. Oh really? No, he's not better than any of those. Chuck Noll, Don Shuler, Paul Brown, um, Belichick, uh, Bill Walsh, Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Yeah. What he yeah. you that? Think about that. Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with Doug Williams, Joe Seisman and Mark Rippin. Come on.
0: True. Um, All right. All right. It's an argument we can have in the offseason. Let's let Andy Reid get it first. I I tend to agree with you. Like, do you think any more like is it you know, we don't have these. Like, It doesn't feel like you have these crazy like teams don't show up and and aren't ready for it or like are just happy to be there anymore. It doesn't feel like that happens very often in the modern NFL. Right.
2: You know, it was weird because I thought the same thing when I was on the field after the game with the Chiefs. And, you know, I've I watched a lot of those celebrations on the field. And they almost, they celebrated, but they really didn't. Mm. It, it wasn't like they were, it, it's great to go to the Super Bowl, but they didn't go nuts. Which nowadays teams have, you know, back in the day, sometimes teams went to the Super Bowl and they acted like they won it. Mm. Nowadays you don't see that as much anymore.
0: Yeah, that's sort of what I mean. Like, I can't imagine the Chiefs showing up and be like, oh, like, man, we're just thrilled to be here in, in South Beach, like, and, then, and then laying an egg. I just don't see that happening. But you used to see it all the time. Or maybe you just saw teams way, ever like
2: That's a good group of guys. And I've been around that team for a couple of weeks. And, and, you know, I, I know some of those guys. and It's that, a good group of guys. And, and Andy Reid has a, a good feel for it. Spagnola is a good coach, and he's been around for a while. Uh, Eric, the enemy is a really good dude and a good coach. I mean, it, it's a good, good locker room. And and I think it reflects that when they play because they have fun.
0: How good is the chiefs defense?
2: It's better. I, I mean, I still, they did a good job last week. And, and a lot of that has to do with Spagnola's defense. It's complicated. It, it takes time to get adjusted to it. And and the honey badger told me that in the summer, he said, it's going to take us a while. And it did. And then they had all the injuries, Chris Jones didn't play. Um, you know, for a while, and Frank Clark was sick and injured, and they didn't get thugged until late in the season. He's a really good run player. He's not the same pass rusher he used to be. He was a good run player, and then the secondary came together. So uh, I think it, it's much better. It's not dominant. It's not San Francisco, but Chris Jones is a beast. People uh, don't realize how good he is. I, I, you know, I told him after the game, I said, "You're getting generational money, dude," because he's an unrestricted free agent. He's going to get paid. He's going to be one of the top free agents on the market.
0: Won't he probably be a franchise tag candidate?
2: Uh, he could be, but they got so many issues facing them. They got, you know, it depends on what happens with the CBA and yeah. and you know the cap going up. If, if Mahomes is going to get forty something million a year. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have
0: to give it to him. Um, and they just
2: paid Frank Clark all that money.
0: True. What? Uh, all right. What are your top three Super Bowl
2: locations? Top three Super Bowl locations? Yeah. Number one, New Orleans. Yes. Number two, New Orleans. Number three, New Orleans.
0: That's the correct answer. Good job by you. It is the it's best not place ever.
2: It's not even close. It's by far the best location for Super Bowl. Everything is there, right? They have so many restaurants. It's easy to get around. The teams stay downtown. It's It's, from, it, it's always been the best. And everyone I've been to there, including the first one, I've enjoyed every one of
0: them. Yeah. You can walk everywhere. You know, it's like the very easy, low-key vibe. Like, you don't, I mean, you don't you don't feel like you're shuttling around constantly. I'm with you. I like, uh, I'm a big fan of the world. I was in the
2: minority on this one, but I actually enjoyed the New York Super Bowl. I liked it. Yeah.
0: I liked, you know what, I liked the Super I liked the Indianapolis Super Bowl.
2: That was a good one, too, because everything's right there. Yeah. The ones got, that are spread you, out are... Not fun. They're, you know, like next next year, Tampa will be good because everything's right there. Tampa's always been good because everything's lo- local.
0: Uh, yeah, like like San Francisco. I wasn't a huge. I I I was cool being in San Francisco for a week, but it's like trucking out to Santa Clara and then back. And that time we almost died on the bus and all that. That wasn't very fun.
2: No, that wasn't good. Houston, it spread out a little bit too. Yeah. Um, Dallas was spread out a little bit.
0: Oh, uh, Dallas yeah, is all Phoenix, over
2: the place. Phoenix is spread out a little bit. Minnesota. Used to be good, but then they moved everybody out last year. So you were way out; you weren't in downtown. The first one I went there, that was a really good Super Bowl because everything was right downtown. But I think you know, convenience is for me, and then the the weather. And New Orleans usually has pretty good weather; it's not that bad. So
0: yeah, I'm I'm no I'm with you. I think. It'd be, did you see the stuff for the Vegas draft?
2: What's that? No, they're, what
0: they're going to have the red carpet on the Bellagio fountain. They're gonna have a stage out on the on the water, and they're gonna boat all the all the rookies over to this stage on the water in the middle of the fountain uh, for for the red carpet ahead of the draft.
2: Now, that'll be a great Super Bowl location, Vegas.
0: They'll definitely do it there at some point.
2: Oh, in 2025, I think that'll be a Super Bowl there.
0: Ooh, is it? Know, out, the right?
2: one in Los Angeles in a couple of years is gonna be a tough one.
0: A tough one or a fun one?
2: Tough one because it's gonna be spread out all over the place.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. What uh, where are you leaning? How so you? By the way, the-, the
2: worst location for a Super Bowl. Not even close. Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, Jacksonville. And I lived there for thirty years. I loved living there. They weren't ready for a Super Bowl. They still aren't ready for a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, like people are like, well, what if they bring one to Charlotte? It's like they're not bringing it to Charlotte. Like there's not enough room in here. You wouldn't have any of the infrastructure. Um, where are you sort of leaning on this game right now?
2: Chiefs. I don't love it, though. I'll have to think about it for a while, but I'd lean that way early.
0: I know. Uh, I, I'm I, of- I, just
2: think, I think Mahomes, Mahomes is special, and if you can rush him, but he can get out of that pocket. You know, he's, he's, he's one of those guys that can get outside the pocket and create all kinds of problems for you. In fact, last week. I think during the game, I, I texted you guys, and I said he left some plays on the field early because he wasn't get to backside. It was weird because early in the game, he seemed a little jumpy, and he wasn't allowed to play to develop. But he's so good when he doesn't let the play to develop when, when he does get out. Like, the play he made to Watkins, did he have to leave that pocket? No, but he did. He made a great play.
0: Yeah, yeah. He is uh, He's special, man. It's going to be a fun Super Bowl. I think it will go down as, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to, like – it's hard to like imagine the rhythm of how it'll go, but you know we saw it with the Patriots and the Seahawks in that in Super Bowl forty nine. I feel like it could be something like that where it's a little, um, like funky out of the gates, and then all of a sudden just turns into this just incredible matchup between two smart coaches and, and great offenses. So uh, well, you excited! Know what?
2: Somebody said to me the other day that it, could it be like the Denver Seattle game because the great defense and the high flying offense? No chance. I don't see. I don't see that happening.
0: No chance. There is. There is no chance that the 49ers I, – I, I don't think there's any chance that the 49ers blow out the Chiefs. I think I the Chiefs think so could blow out the 49ers, but I don't think that the 49ers could blow out the Chiefs.
2: I don't think either team's going to blow out the other one. I think it's going to be a close game.
0: I don't I don't think there'll be a blowout either way as well. But, like, I think if you if, if the 49ers got down big and had to lean on Jimmy G to try to come back, like, I think that could be the blowout formula if the, if the Chiefs are making plays on defense. But, like, even if the 49ers are up 21 nothing, I think Kansas City will score – you know, twenty-eight points and get back in it at some point.
2: It'll be interesting. I, I'm looking forward. I, I'm excited about this matchup. I really. I would have liked to have seen Rodgers against uh, Mahomes, but this is this is good. It's a clash of, of styles, and I like that.
0: I if do too. they run be- it,
2: and all the 49ers do is run it.
0: Yep. Um. All right, we'll be down in uh, South Florida. We'll see you guys uh, in a couple. And I'll of- give you
2: my official pick next week.
0: What are you wearing to media day?
2: What's that?
0: What are you wearing to media day? Got a little costume planned out? Uh,
2: I'm going as Pete Prisco. You know him. <laughs> Funny costume.
0: Uh, I'm just kidding. I know you are. Um, all right. Good stuff, Pete. Always love chatting about Super Bowls with you. Be hanging out at the Super Bowl next week. Follow him at PriscoCBS. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. He's the star of our programming there. And uh, hey, listen, man. Don't you tell Jamie ten and two, and don't go ten miles over the speed limit. And you guys hey, get to Orlando. He, he, same. Right
2: now, he's got one hand on the wheel to step in the right direction.
0: Oh, man, he's mixing a little decaf, a little regular with the decaf. Jamie's light, like, getting a little crazy. Wait, you know what? He,
2: I, I hate to tell you what he's doing with the other hand right now. Shooting the uh, one one finger peace sign.
0: Oh, oh is he telling me hello. Or, well, you you yeah, go he, you go make he sure said, you...
2: Hey, he said hello. He's trying to tell you hello with <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: well, go uh, go take care of Jamie. <laughs>
2: number one brand
0: number one brand hashtag brand (laughs) hashtag branson buddy um all right pete thanks man we'll talk to you soon okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better